Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and wildest true crime cases in history, and we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode, we're mixing it up a little bit, and we're going to look at the biggest sex and fraud scandal in modern history. It's the story of Tammy Faye, Jim Baker, and the Praise the Lord Network. had sex and fraud and I'm already Are you excited I'm excited I've got your juices flowing yeah I'm gonna I'm not I'm gonna look look now at the screen I don't know how I feel about that actually because um I was just very close to your naked bum (laughs) 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 I mean over here at Devils in the Dark HQ you might think that it's all glitz and glamour and and darkness and intrigue and it's it's not (laughs) absolutely not I felt a prick in my bum and I started to panic and rather than just, you know, talk about it or rationalise the situation, I just pull my trousers down. Maybe look at her bum. Look at my bum, Danny! <laughs> and I didn't even hesitate. I don't know. Yeah, you were right down like, there. Okay. <laughs> just and straight what, in. What could you describe that you saw? Just apart from like a wonderland of lovely bum. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling hills of bum. <laughs> Thank you. Um... There was like, uh, there was, you've been pricked, you have been pricked by something. I don't know what it is. I don't, there's <laughs> nothing on my chair. There's nothing in my, she even searched my trousers. trousers. There's nothing in my trousers. Like a, like this is preparing me for motherhood. Isn't that what you do with yeah. a child? Have you done a poo? <laughs> like, Let me look at your pants. Yeah, like lucky I didn't just like drag you up by the hips and smell you. <laughs> Don't oh god, that sounded weird. <laughs> it's turning into a whole different type of podcast now, isn't it? My god. But uh, I'm scared. It's the demon. <laughs> I'm as we progress into spooky season. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely threw up in my mouth a little bit. Then I don't know if it came across it on was audio. Really believable. The spooky, spooky season. Um, vomit and yeah. juicy. I'm really worried that we're going to record an episode and no. then halfway through you're just going to be like <laughs> and then and I'll be like oh fuck this but the door to the studio is really heavy and it takes me like a minute to get the door open because I can't do it no and you're just going to be a demon I'm scared that we're going to listen back to the footage and when I'm talking it's actually going release me oh my god me. so yeah if somebody could do us a favour and just listen to last week's episode backwards. Yeah. And, and then it, tell us if you hear anything. All it will be is, let me out. Mm. I fucking hate you, Helen Anderson. <laughs> You're going to die, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Although, are demons always deadly? Don't know. What if it's actually, what if it's poking you in the bum because I'm not going to lie, and I'm I'm guessing a lot of listeners at home as well, when Helen, I had a prick in my bum. That was my, that was my <laughs> Helen impression. Um, I'm like, lol, because, you know, phrasing. Um, maybe, A, the demon's clinging to you because he's a bit horny. And, you know, biblical depictions of demons always mm-hmm. have massive fucking dicks, don't they? <laughs> you can stare. There's that one really famous picture of the, the demon and his dicks on a wheelbarrow. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> you've, got, you've got a wheelbarrow dick to you. <laughs> Pricking you in the butt. Go on a little Deliveroo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, or maybe he's just bored. Just wanted to tap this ass. It was claws. Can't blame him. <laughs> Lovely butt. Thank you. But um, mm. yeah, so you know, maybe demons just have a bad rep, and then they're acting out because you know they're like, oh, I think I'm going to be a dick anyway. I'm going to be one. Yeah, but actually, he just wants some company. He's all alone in his realm. Yeah. The realm of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for more of Helen's butt demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you what, listeners, what a treat you've had. You've had cranes. Yeah. You've had butt demons. What next? <sighs> so we're doing things a bit differently this week. Um, a, because it's still a novelty for me to be talking um doing the talking but uh we were a slightly different kind of story we've had quite a lot of murder murder very dark we've had some very dark ones well it is called devils in the dark so yeah so this one's got like a different sh- it's like a different shade of dark different shade of devil i hear you all say oh tammy faye and jim baker they didn't kill anyone did they and I know that you're all hoping that I'm going to be like, well, actually, they didn't. They didn't kill anyone. It's, it's not It's not that kind of story. Basically, today, we are looking into the life of Tammy Faye and the crimes of her husband, Jim Baker, and just the sheer madness that was uh, their Christian evangelical network, Praise the Lord, PTL. The story, like, it's wild. They stole so much money. How? Well, Helen, that's the point of the episode, I will tell you. So let's set the scene. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back in my chair now. You tell me this story. Cool. It's 1987 in North Carolina, America. Satellites floating in the atmosphere are transmitting the Praise the Lord network into millions of homes across the world. Devout Christian viewers are tuning in every day to watch their favourite shows and catch a glimpse of the married couple who will deliver them salvation Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. The PLT Network is with their audience 24-7, so every minute of every day, providing educational, entertaining and heartwarming content to help them become closer to God. They can even travel to be closer to the network by visiting Heritage USA, the premier Christian theme park in the country. You know what you think when you think of religion? Do you think of theme parks? Absolutely not. You will do now. Oh, oh, okay. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker are on top of the world, but a storm is coming. A storm that sparks two of the biggest sex and fraud scandals America has ever seen. Scandals that would rock the world of televangelism forever. So let's go back to the start. Um, Also, because I had to Google this, I thought that evangelism was like an offshoot of, you know, like um, Lutheran or, or Mormon but it's not. Evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. So the primary aim is the conversion of the individual to the Christian life. Like a missionary? Yeah. Okay. They're evangeling. And then obviously televangelism, televised evangelism. Oh. Aha. And people in the streets that talk about Jesus, like buskers, 
Are they evangelists? Well, they're street preaching, aren't they? But I okay. guess maybe I was baptised Catholic, but I, I have never been practising. For my 10th birthday, my granddad sent me all the way from Australia a book of 10,000 Catholic puzzles wow. and, and a game about the journey of Moses on floppy disc. Ooh, yeah, that is that is as close as I got. I chose not to do my uh, communion because I didn't want to. I went to Sunday school for a bit and I had a book. I had a Bible which had a gold edging, which I really liked. I just like to flick it because the pages are really thin. I also had a book on the Tower of Babel, a child's book of it. What is that? It's a story of how everybody got their lang- different languages. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so... I'm going to try, tried really hard to get all my terminology and everything right here. But as we've just proven, not religious experts. So sorry. But it's. What are we experts in? Uh, I was about to say cranes, but no. No. <laughs> Tammy Faye Lavalley was born on the 7th of March 1942 in Little Tiny Town, International Falls, which sounds cool, mm-hmm. in Minnesota just a few hundred miles away from the Canadian border. The town was like proper small-town America with just under 6,000 residents, and it was very religious. Tammy Faye's parents, Rachel and Carl, were Pentecostal preachers, but when she was just a small girl, her parents divorced, which ostracised Rachel and Tammy Faye from the church, because, you know, of course Carl was fine, because the man is always fine. Why, though? Surely they should have open arms to those that are vulnerable. Because divorce is a sin. Either way, both her parents got remarried and her mum, Rachel, got married to a guy called Fred. They lived a very modest life, like in a small house. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't even have a bathroom in their house. They had to use an outhouse in the garden. Oh, so very modest life. And together, Rachel and Fred had more children. And afterwards, Rachel was accepted back into the church because she was now a good married woman. But what did she do wrong? She got divorced, Helen. But so did he. It is what it is. But Rachel, she's been embraced back in okay. to the church. They can. She's no longer shamed. She's married. She's, had, she's done her duty as a wife and provided children. But Tammy Faye hadn't done any of that. So she was still quite ostracised and her mother's divorce had tainted her for a lot of the evangelical folks in International Falls because they thought she was unholy and would go off the rails after becoming a child of divorce. Oh my God. Um, Which we both know, Helen, being children of divorce. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Despite being marginalised from a young age, Tammy Faye loved people and it didn't stop her from wanting to connect with the people in her community and wanting to connect with God. So when she was 10 years old, she snuck into a prayer meeting at her mum's Pentecostal church and decided to bring Jesus into her heart to the point where she collapsed to the floor and started speaking in tongues. She said in one of her books that for hours I lay on the floor. I I really want to be able to do Tammy Faye's accent because she's got this great sort of Minnesota accent, but it's really hard. I was practising when I was watching the film. (laughs) Do it. For hours, I lay on the floor and spoke in an unknown language. I wasn't aware of anyone else. I was walking with Jesus. Wow. That wasn't a great impression, but you get my gist. Yeah. From that moment on, Tammy Faye knew that she wanted to live her life for her Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
So after graduating high school, she packed her bags and left for North Central University, which is a Bible college in Minneapolis, to study to become a minister. She never made it to the end of college, though, because that's where she met her future husband, Jim Baker, which is Baker with two Ks, uh, which I think is unnecessary. Baker. Baker. You know, being married to a Baker with only one K, modest. Yeah. Two Ks, bit much. Jim was a hall monitor in her dormitory, which is odd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Creeping in. It's a Christian college, girls dorm. Male. Male hall monitor. Mm. I think it's a bit predatory. I'm going to yeah. put this out there now. I do think if it should have been a female hall monitor. Yeah, but and I was about to be like, why would he want to do that? But obviously he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's lucked out. I think I'm surprised that the the college let it happen. Yeah, but it did happen. He was the hall monitor in their dorm, and the, they'd make eyes at each other across the hallways. And then eventually, Jim asked Tammy out on a date. Okay, and for their first date, he took her to the church, of course and told her all about his dreams to become a travelling preacher and then eventually start his own ministry. So he's dreaming big already. Certainly is. So Jim was a couple of years older than Tammy Faye and he was born into a fairly religious family in 1940 in Michigan. Unlike Tammy Faye, he hadn't always been dead set on serving God for the rest of his life though. He actually originally wanted to be a radio DJ. Yeah, so he still wanted to get his word out there and connect with people, just not necessarily about God. Okay. But that all changed after a car accident when he was 16 years old. He was driving with his cousin, singing along to the radio, when he lost control of the car and ran over a little boy who was seriously injured. And now this part is contested... But Jim claimed that he told God he would serve him for the rest of his life if the little boy he'd hit lived. Luckily for the boy, he survived his injuries. Unluckily for millions of people who later lost a lot of money, Jim followed through on his word and decided to spend his life serving God. But serving, like, in air quotes. Okay. There. So Tammy Faye and Jim are on their first date... In the middle of church. What do they do? Just have a lovely time. I don't know if they're like making out on the bench. No, no, because they're at Bible college. <laughs> Not in public. Yeah, and then in the film, then they go outside and have a picnic and he tells her all about their acts. And, they, you know, they're like, wow, we both have such similar views on our lives and our service to God. Um, but apparently in real life, he just like, he told her he loved her. Oh. First date. Wow. Yep. Apparently, he tells her, Tammy Fayla Valley, I have loved you ever since the minute I saw you walk into school. And then, because, like, that's not enough. Okay. First date, church. He slips her finger. <laughs> In a way, he proposes. Oh. Oh. Ah. Right. Yeah. On the first date. Um, it's escalated fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So just two weeks later, they became officially engaged. Fuck. Okay. Which is still an escalation. Yeah. yeah. But this whirlwind romance, they've got this, you know, these shared ideals. They love each other. And they're young and make irrational choices. And also, by marrying marrying quickly, it means they can have sex. Oh, that's what he wanted. So they they did marry quickly and tied the knot on April 1st, 1961, in a very small and intimate wedding, which was actually mainly because Jim's parents didn't approve and Tammy Faye's parents couldn't afford to come. 
Oh, that's sad. Then, to add insult to injury, after their small, poor wedding, the pair got kicked out of Bible college because there was actually a rule that two students couldn't marry each other whilst studying there. Well, they missed that one from the rule book. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't studying the rule book. No. They were studying the good book. Jim and Tammy Faye had to pack their things and they headed out into the big, wide, open world to start their ministry. Ooh, okay. They moved to South Carolina to start and then moved around America as travelling preachers, performing in local churches to children. Tammy Faye would sing and play the accordion and use puppets to tell Bible stories. And then Jim would preach. So sort of like she was there for the kids, he was there for the adults. Right. Because the parents are going to take the kids to the show. That reminds me of those like travelling anti-drugs shows that you'd get at at high school where they'd come in and be like scene drugs (laughs) marijuana the car didn't stop like dead (laughs) yeah life ruined abysmal yeah dead (laughs) and then you'd all leave like be like what did I was I on mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. Because if I wasn't, I kind of want to be. <laughs> For four years, Jim and Tammy Faye worked their way up the ladders of their local churches until in 1965, they were approached by a local preacher who wanted to pay them to appear at different churches to spread the word. 1965 ended up being a big year for them. They also met a man called Pat Robertson. Pat was an evangelist and minister who ran CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. Now, CBN didn't have a huge audience, but Jim and Tammy Faye, especially Jim, saw their chance at moving up in the world and grabbed it with both hands. By 1966, Jim and Tammy Faye had their own show on the network called Come On Over. It was a variety show for children that featured puppets, singing, dances, comedy, and of course, God. And it was basically evangelical Sesame Street. Okay. I've seen clips and it's like this super wholesome family show. Like there's a little house, a little barn and like um, Tammy will come out and be like, hi kids. And there'll be some live kids there and like. Hi Tammy. Yeah, exactly. And like (laughs) Jim will come out and say some stuff and they'll be like, just so Jim. And they just like this really like wholesome family Christian couple. Katy Perry used to do some like Christian singing before she came famous. Really? That's I think, interesting. I just think in the States they're a bit more, everything's a bit more. Just a bit more. Yeah, so exactly. They have like a whole channel. They have like, you know, their own cartoons that are Christian. We don't have that here. Yeah, we can ha- you imagine Ro- that? Rosie and Jim and Teletubbies. C of E, like C of E schools. It's not going to happen. Just win- just- I just, I only remember Sunday school. I only remember to. sitting on the floor in the school hall. Assembly. Give me oil in my lab. Keep, keep me burning. <laughs> With a tatty old praise, come and praise book. That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> and if someone would always start off like really high and then we'd all be like this, I pray. And then if you sang too loud, it was like, oh, yeah, everyone heard. But the first few years of school, I went to a couple of different Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. Couldn't, could never stay in them for very long. <laughs> <laughs> but um, And you'd have chapel each morning yeah. and you'd sing even higher. I think it would I think religion would have seemed a lot more accessible. Yeah. Actually if we'd have had something like this. And it was. It was so successful that Pat made Jim the host of the now infamous show The 700 Club, which slowly but surely became CBN's biggest show. 
it was basically like a Christian late night talk show, uh, like Graham Norton or Jimmy Fallon, but with Bible quotes. Oh, but wait, you say that, but it was massive. Over time, they had some really famous and successful guests. Like really massive. So to date, okay, they had President Ronald Reagan, right? President George Bush, right? President Gerald Ford, okay? President Jimmy Carter. Oh, there's a theme here. I don't know what that says about the country's relationship within church and state. Yeah, but also Jim's ambition. Not just presidents though. You got Mel Gibson, Woo. Billy Ray Cyrus, oh, Larry King. Ooh. Mr. T. Whoa. Johnny Cash. Cool. Naomi Judd. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Hulk. Yeah. Patty LaBelle. Mm-hmm. And Colonel Sanders, the guy off the KFC chicken bucket. No. Who? Why? Yeah, who I learned through doing this research is a real person. I'm going to look at his face. I can't believe that he's a real person. I, he's sat, been satired so much. I just thought this person can't possibly be real. But oh my god, he looks just like the picture on the bucket. Because he is the man on the bucket. I know, we're so mad to see. Oh my god, he's adorable, isn't he? Yeah, the picture you're looking at might even be him talking with Jim oh, Baker. Oh no, it's just, it's, oh wow. Yeah, Christ. But I watched the clip of the interview and I was like, what the fuck? Like, this guy is a real guy. Yeah, and that's not it, there was loads more. Like, Christ. Yeah, so obviously these weren't all when Jim had started the show, but he spoke to so many influential celebrities that this wasn't a show or a man to mess with. Like, he'd established himself. This yeah. was a, a real thing. God, he'd done good for himself. Yeah, man has influence now. A, a hall monitor to now to doing interviewing this. Interviewing Mr. T. Christ. Great, yeah. So by this point, Jim's doing very well. He's got the biggest show on the network. He sees himself as a man of power and he has God on his side. Tammy Faye, however, wasn't thriving in the mm. same way. She's pregnant with their first child, okay, which is lovely, but she's then essentially told to go home and stay at home by Jim under the guise that she should be on bed rest. Okay. So she's kind of cut out from the action. It's the Jim show now. She has to be the good Christian wife and go and have the babies and Jim can go and do the big, important, breadwinning man stuff. But trouble was on the horizon. Pat Robertson, the man who ran CBN, was reportedly not Jim's biggest fan. Oh. And I think he was a bit jealous because, like a lot of the ministers in this story, Pat was a man who wanted all the glory for himself. He wanted to be the one in charge. He wanted to be the one that everyone... He wanted everyone to see that he was the one in charge. And so he offered to take on some of the responsibilities of the 700 Club, the biggest show on the network. Mm Mm-hmm to you know give Jim a helping hand so that he can really spend time with his family because those early years are so important Mm -hmm. yeah so unsurprisingly this didn't go down so well with Jim and Tammy Faye because it was their vision that they were the ones to deliver the Lord's message you know it was their show and so they made the decision to start their own network oh and thus the praise the Lord network was born So Jim and Tammy Faye were finally free from network bosses and it meant they could create their own content and they were free to preach whatever they wanted to. So 1976, they launched the PTL Club, which is shorthand for the Praise the Lord Club, a televangelist Christian news show on a local TV network in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was actually hosted in an abandoned furniture shop, but you couldn't tell, like, from looking at it, it was all glitzy and entertaining and full of life, really bright and vibrant. Cool. Yeah, there was loads of music, there was guests, Tammy Faye would sing, 
And as always, Jim preached his gospel. Did he get many celebs in from his contact? Well, I, like the vibe I get from the clips that I sort of watched is it's almost like um like a, a Richard and Judy oh, okay. type of vibe. I watched one that was it was Tammy Faye's 40th birthday and Jim was like, and here's another surprise for you, Tammy Faye. It's these people singing their, a song for you. Yeah, sort of like this morning type. Okay, got it. Like magazine kind of show almost, but evangelical. Yeah. Except this time they were preaching something a little different because they had started teaching their viewers about the prosperity gospel, which urges people to give their own money to televangelists and evangelical organisations in order to then receive more money back from God. It's kind of like... Whoa. A, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a cross between gambling and manifestation. Like okay. the secret. You know, you put it out into the world, you put this money into the evangelist's pockets and then God is going to grant you more in return. That you're investing so stupid. <laughs> you you're investing in God. Okay. And so God will then return you reap what you sow. Any way you slice it, the house is going to win. Like <laughs> yeah. You're not getting that money back. No. <laughs> the show was hugely popular though, and within just a few months, the PTL club became the PTL network after Jim invested in satellite technology, which isn't going to be cheap. No. No. But the satellite meant that they could broadcast around the world 24-7. So they were spreading the word of the Lord and asking millions of viewers now all across the world to become partners. They don't refer to them as audience or like their flock or anything like that. They're partners. So you become a partner of the PTL network just by calling the number on the screen and handing over your credit card details. So like you're not just a viewer, you're part of this. This is like... Where scams began. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and you can see it, it just snowballs. It's wild because it does, it sounds like a scam now, but audiences all over the globe, they were hooked. Yeah. Like, this is great. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be saved and this is going to fix, you know, this is going to be everything that I need. To put it into perspective with mm-hmm. how successful it was, within the first year of the PTL Network's creation, they had made $120 million. And that was in, that is so much money. <laughs> so the equivalent, the modern equivalent of $120 million, $624 million. Wow. In one year. Just yeah. going to let that sink in. Guys, if you give us money, <laughs> now, I we don't will know. save you from... From true crimes. Terror. <laughs> if you send us... So, yeah, uh, just as a side note, I think it's important to let people, let our listeners know that by sending us a million pounds <laughs> they can also be saved from true crime yeah promise you that that will yeah. definitely happen that's how it works um the true crime will return unto you what you giveth unto us your contributions to us will return <laughs> in your savior from the darkness from the devil yeah just call the number at the bottom of your screens now <laughs> but basically that's how it worked and donations were just pouring in from christians who were glued to the network believing that if they just gave enough and invested enough in this show in these people in this evangelism god would reward them with their own riches as well as their flagship show 
the PTL club. The network was also host to shows that were hosted by other preachers that were friends with Jim and Tammy Faye. So there were interview shows, cooking segments and live performances by Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye even once did a segment on penile implants. Penile implants? Like penis? Yep. Wow. In a bid to raise awareness for those who needed them. Oh. She was a good egg. The brand was growing and Tammy Faye became a household name by recording and releasing album after album of religious music. They started selling PTL merch and asking audiences to double or triple their pledges if they could, all in the name of Jesus. Not for them. For Jesus. For Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. This is like one of my gripes with religion. I don't want to cross a barrier here, but I think that it's playing with some people's, especially people that might be in a not particularly favourable place in life. They could be going through stuff, and so they are looking for any anything that can help them and especially if they like have a connection with religion and someone is saying give us money and the lord will be with you in times of desperation uh I don't oh yeah no they're it's just, just it's just call it what it is they're pray, they're preying on people's beliefs yeah i know or, uh, well you've basically said that in a really direct way <laughs> i went the long way around jim is praying yeah i don't think that's cool it's not cool at all well if the money is going to to those causes, to these right causes, then, and you are actually donating to a just cause, then I think, you know. That's cool. But this is the question we're now asking. What Where are they, is it going? What are they actually doing with the money? Yeah. Because 640 million or 120 million back then ain't something to be sniffed at. So to the outside world, the money was going to a good cause. Jim and Tammy Faye were missionaries and they were conquering the world. Um, they'd bought a large chunk of land in the Carolinas. I heard somewhere that that was 2,000 acres of land where they built the headquarters for the network and from there they built a house for pregnant teenagers in the area who needed shelter and they built homes for children with disabilities. That's nice. And they donated generously to causes around the world. Okay. But they did also build themselves like a classic mansion on this land and a few more mansions for their nearest and dearest. Okay. Yep. The collection of palatial homes was called Heritage Village. And Jim had big plans. Okay. Put it into perspective. This is why I was a bit dubious about this. So 2,000 acres. Mm-hmm. Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Four parks mm-hmm. combined. This is Orlando. 920 acres. And it's huge. Yeah. So 2,000 acres. <gasps> That's is, a lot. It's, it's it's, I just I can't comprehend how big that is. But it's around this time that Jim and Tammy Faye's marriage gets a little bit more strained. Tammy Faye's spending a lot of time in the recording studio, releasing her records mm-hmm. with her record producer, Gary Paxton. And Jim is spending a lot of time with his assistant and close friend, David Taggart, you know, making big plans for mm-hmm. doing his big plans. And his big plans don't always include Tammy Faye. Jim and David were very close. Okay. Um, close enough to spark rumours in the very famously anti-LGBTQ plus evangelical Christian community that they were a little bit more than friends. Oh. Yeah. But so it, how did that go down then? Well, in any case, the, David knew Jim very well and it actually said at one point that Jim could never fire him because he knew too much about what Jim got up to in his private life. Right. Which... 
what a thing to say. It's a little David. bit naughty, isn't it? Not a very suspicious thing to say. Yeah. So in the film, it tells the story as Tammy Faye was feeling so neglected by Jim. She was pregnant with their second child at the time and just feeling really neglected that she cheated on him with Gary, the record producer. You know, that was a good story. It was a great part of the film. Um, I thought it was done really well because she, she didn't she wouldn't let him kiss him on the mouth because, you know, mm. that would be cheating. But the guy and the guy that plays the record producer is like really hot. <laughs> yeah, he sort of like wants to fight for her a little and, bit. And, you know, when you're recording a um, record, you're... You are in close proximity to people for yeah. quite a long time in a small space. And it was quite, you know, passionate and, Tension. you know. But that's actually not how it happened. Bend me over your mixing board. Well, that is also not how it happened. Oh. But <laughs> that's, my, that's my fantasy. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not how it happened in real life at all. Apparently, Gary's wife, Karen, remembers that Tammy Faye was, was head over heels for Gary. Loved him. But he was just a sympathetic ear and felt, just felt bad for her that she had to put up with what seemed like a very controlling and selfish husband so he felt sorry for her and she I think was just so desperate to be loved um because let's not let's not forget in her childhood she wasn't accepted by the people in her town like she wasn't accepted by the church straight away Mm. so I think she's always just sort of had this she loves people and she just wants to be loved in the same way Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Yeah, so although there wasn't an actual affair, it did seem like Jim thought there was, and he even called Gary into the studio to accuse him of sleeping with his wife. Mm -hmm. So Tammy finds herself staying at home, raising their now two children, and being neglected and alone. Uh, She sort of starts relying on prescription pills to help cope. What kind of pills? Ativan. What does that do? It's a benzo. What's a benzo? Uh, they use them to treat like anxiety disorders. Oh, like right. Sleeping. Got, yeah, go, 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 go. But Jim was too busy to notice Tammy's sort of spiral into addiction because he was busy funneling $200 million worth of PTL donations into the obvious thing that you would do with $200 million of Christian donations. Holy money. Uh, yep. He, he he decided to turn the Heritage Village into Heritage USA, a Christian retreat and theme park. Oh, so he was fun. He was, I always picture an actual funnel and coins going into it. Oh, I just like mm-hmm. cash sort of like falling <laughs> out the box. Do you remember those things that used to get at McDonald's? Yeah, the, the coin in and it goes wee wee like that. Like, Goodbye. Yeah. Okay, so he did that with $200 million and it came And he out made the a bottom. theme park? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure the people that were contributing were so happy that that's where it went. Well, he was sort of marketed it as this like, um, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go somewhere like Disneyland, but be surrounded by people who shared the same beliefs and ideals as you? Mm-hmm. A wholesome Christian playground. And it was nuts. So it opened in 1978. And by the mid 80s, it was so huge that it was attracting almost 6 million visitors every year and employed over 2,500 people to keep it running. Oh, my so it's God. Massive. It's basically Disneyland. Oh, it's my God. It Disneyland. is huge. It had a hotel, a massive hotel called the Heritage Grand, a main street just like Disney and Universal, an indoor shopping mall, a church, a campground, an amphitheatre where they put on passion plays. It had a castle. I'm looking at it. A skating rink, a prayer room, conference facilities, counselling services, a Bible school, TV studios, timeshares and a water park. Um, 
I'm done. It looks insane. It was the third largest theme park in the USA, only behind Disney World and Florida and Disneyland in California. Okay. And that was in terms of footfall. Right. So the third most popular theme park. That's mad. Mm. And it was making bank. Like it was bet. making serious money. Oh my God. So Jim and Tammy Faye were making so much money off this audience funded park that the Times reported they bought matching Rolls Royces, an air conditioned dog room and what? dozens and dozens of mink coats, like big fur coats made of mink. So money has been given to them through donations and then they're making this money from the theme park. Surely the people that have been donating and being customers, would would they not think that it was just a bit like, ooh, that they're being really outwardly glamorous? donating into their faith. So don't forget that they, this was this... Um, prosperity gospel so they so they were they're preaching this prosperity gospel mm-hmm. and that is that by donating into the ptl mm-hmm. by giving the more you give the more you will receive from okay. god because and, you are investing and you're investing into these people you're having rolls royces and mink coats though well yeah <laughs> <laughs> essentially would you not find that a bit like mm. Yeah, Rude. so this is this is well, this is the issue. Okay. I think people were starting to notice, like on screen, Tammy Faye, so she's known for having really heavy mascara. She's known for being very made up all the time. Yeah. But uh she was always so like very well dressed, dripping in jewels, like shiny. She was just sort of <laughs> shiny. And she, she wanted to sparkle to yeah, the disco she ball. Because she wanted to prove that in that world you could be an evangelical Christian praise the lord and still put time into your appearance and be glamorous she was like the dolly parton of of christian tv cool okay but it was ringing alarm bells for the press okay journalists and reporters were snooping around constantly trying to find out how jim and tammy faye were sustaining their luxurious lifestyle Mm -hmm. almost like enough wasn't enough for jim though so he started soliciting a guy called jerry falwell who's another very wealthy evangelical television minister for funds to expand his water park. Now, I'm just going to add a side note on Jerry because he wasn't nice. He's um. not a nice man. So just to really put the point across, one time, Jerry said that gay people were a cancer. <gasps> He's that type of guy. Oh. Jim was obsessed with Jerry. Thought that he was the next step towards his apparent world domination, so he kept Jerry close and told him everything, sort of using him as a mentor. Mm-hmm. But Tammy Faye was about to rock that boat because we know that Tammy Faye loved people, and she she thought that everybody deserved God's love, including members of the LGBTQ plus community. And in the mid eighties, at the height of the AIDS epidemic, she interviewed Stephen Peters an openly gay Christian minister who was struggling with AIDS. So Stephen appeared on the PTL network on Tammy's house party (laughs) via a satellite link because he was undergoing chemotherapy at the time. But it was, you can, you can watch the full interview on YouTube. It's incredibly moving. And it was also really kind of the first and only interview of its time to happen on a Christian network. I bet. Because don't forget, he's openly gay. He's a minister. Yeah. And he's got AIDS. And it was the 80s. And it was the 80s. Yeah. And they talked about his sexuality. They talked about him coming out and the sad death of his partner. And after discussing the fact that his friends and family were too scared to touch him after his diagnosis, 
Tammy Faye became visibly upset and emotionally addressed the audience, famously saying, how sad... I, I wanted to be able to do the accent. Try. God. Okay, okay. How sad that we as Christians, we who are supposed to be able to love everyone, are afraid so badly of an AIDS patient that we will not go up and put our arm around them and tell them that we care. <gasps> I didn't do that justice, but it's a really nice thing to say. It was an iconic moment and cemented Tammy Faye as an LGBTQ plus ally. Great. Yeah. We like that. We love that. Jim and his new best friend, Jerry Falwell, not so much, didn't love it. And Jim really took it out on Tammy Faye. So Tammy Faye was struggling. And in 1987, she fell ill with pneumonia and was sent to hospital. And while she was there, they realised that she was taking a huge amount of drugs. She was driven to rehab against her will, but enrolled in an outpatient programme and was back on TV within a few months. Tammy Faye seemed to have her family back together. Jim had taken time away from the network to be by her side and her kids, who were now older, were also spending more time with her. So things were actually looking up. Good. Nope. No? Surprise. Okay. Because whilst the phone lines were blowing up with all the usual donations, there was one repeat caller that wasn't ringing to give money. She was ringing to ask for it. Oh. <gasps> she was repeatedly calling the donation lines, asking for money for medical bills, for treatment of illnesses that had begun after an encounter with PTL founder and president, Jim Baker. Rumours had begun to spread that Jim had had an affair. <gasps> and, to make it worse, it wasn't consensual. Oh... In the late 80s, journalists at the Charlotte Observer began hounding the PTL network. They were threatening to leak a story, and it was a story that Jim Baker had been trying to keep quiet. In 1980, Jim had visited a Florida hotel to have sex with a young woman. He'd reportedly been asking his right-hand man, David Taggart, to find him women so that he could have an affair and make Tammy Faye jealous. So his people found Jessica Hahn, a 21-year-old church secretary. According to Jessica, she was sent to the hotel under the pretense of watching Jim's kids for a few hours. But horrifically, she was drugged and raped by Jim and another preacher, John Wesley Fletcher, at the hotel on December 6th, 1980. I, I don't understand why he would have needed to go to the lengths to do to do that. Like, no. what, like surely in a man in his position who's wealthy, who's, you know, famous, a celeb, wouldn't have any, like, a hard time finding someone to sleep with. Yeah, well, I, that's, I agree. And I, I think so. Um, I think it maybe perhaps it, the need for sort of discretion because he's got this squeaky clean family man image. So why do something so dreadful? Because they can cover it up. Right. I don't, she's only 21. They drugged her. She might probably didn't know exactly what was going on. Okay. For starters. But she was also then paid $279,000. Wow. That's around $670,000 oh my God. in modern money right. to keep silent. So she was paid hush money. And that money came straight from the PTL fund. So wow. all those people who are ringing in and donating to their faith, 
$279,000 of that was actually just put towards hush money. That's sickening, isn't it? Yeah. Because Jim was in charge of the finances at PTO, he was able to keep things hush-hush because he had two sets of books, so nobody would ever know what he'd done. I think an extra part of it was the, would have been the control. Mm. Like, he's a man, he likes to be in control of his destiny, he likes to be in control of his income... And he wanted to be in control of his dick as well, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's so gross. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, look at a picture of him. Oh. Uh, he's creepy as fuck. So it just it makes the whole thing is just so seedy and disgusting. Yeah. It's really gross. I do like that. Now, in the late eighties, Jessica was talking. She was done being quiet. Mm-hmm. And the world would know exactly what he had done. Mm-hmm. The Charlotte Observer were gonna run the story and the whole of the PTL board knew it. So In a bid to try and save the brand, Jim and Tammy Faye stepped back from the business on the recommendation of Jim's buddy, an all-round terrible guy, Jerry Falwell. Jerry was there to save... And I'm going to use air quotes here. Jerry was here to save the PTL network. Tammy Faye was horrified that Jim had signed things over to Jerry uh, because obviously, you know, their views were so conflicting. But Jim trusted Jerry. And let's be honest, Tammy Faye was at the end of her tether. I don't know why I put my hand up. I'm, there's only two of us in the room. Yes, Helen. But I would like to ask, so did Tammy have any beef of this accusation with this caller? Because obviously, if someone's calling up and this story's going to run... Well, so that's not entirely... Her enti- like feelings on the matter aren't entirely clear because let's not forget, they've built their entire reputation, mm. their entire brand, their entire business on being a wholesome... Couple. Like Christian couple, yeah, with wholesome Christian values. Mm-hmm. So any outward talk is it's very cruel that people are trying and will always try and take us down, right? Like this, okay. You know, Jerry didn't actually have any intentions to save the PTL network, unsurprisingly, because he's not a nice guy. In fact, he wanted it. He only wanted it so that he could destroy it. <gasps> Because they're competition oh, no. as well. Yeah. Don't forget, okay. he's a televangelist, and yeah. she's preaching things that he doesn't agree with, right? So Jerry started holding press conferences talking about Jim's alleged assault, telling the press that Jim was actually gay and had been partaking in homosexual activity the entire time he was at PTL. So he was just, he was using everything. He promised Jim and Tammy Faye that he would look after them if they went off the grid for a while and asked them to write a list of things that they would need whilst they were out of the spotlight. And they obliged writing that they needed $300,000 salary for Jim a hundred thousand salary for Tammy Faye. Notice the disparity there, is yeah. Well. I was just oh, thinking, yeah. why does she only need a hundred thousand? Yeah. So a third of what he's asking for. They would also need two cars, a maid, and a secretary, as well as a lot of other very nice things to get out of Dodge for a bit and let Jerry run the company. Mm-hmm. So just you know enough for them to live comfortably as they've become accustomed to. Okay. So Jerry obviously took that list that he'd asked for to be able to provide those things Mm -hmm. and he took it straight to the press no yeah held a 90 minute conference where he detailed how much extravagant personal wealth they had (gasps) and used that list as evidence oh my god yeah he completely screwed him over fuck and he kept on with the smear campaign while he slowly dismantled the company he started selling everything off and he destroyed the theme park and laid off all the stuff what an ass! Yeah. Oh my god! And don't forget that's two thousand five hundred people were work, like just on the park. We're just working to keep the park running, 
And then he just sacked them off. Put them all out of put them all out. He's going straight to hell. And there's no need for it either because, like, if he's doing a corporate takeover, there must have been a way for him to sort of keep that running and exploit some of them, take some of the money for himself or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's just in it. It's a vendetta. He's just spiteful. He even went so far as to kick Tammy Faye's mother and stepfather out of Heritage Village and he pretty much he just ended the Praise the Lord network. Yeah. Wow. And incredibly, Jim and Tammy Faye stayed together through all of that until oh. Jim was indicted for mail and wire fraud by the IRS. In 1989, Jim was convicted and sentenced to 45 years in prison for fraud. Whoa. So 45 years. I'm just going to put... That's a long time. We've had subjects on this podcast that have had less for murder, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. He'd been using the audience's money for years as his own personal piggy bank. He had an enormous annual salary and would give himself and his mates bonuses whenever he felt like it, basically, leaving the actual company in massive amounts of debt whilst he lived the life of a god. What? He even got a facelift on PLT money. No. Yep. Paid for his right-hand man, David, to get some work done too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Jim Baker had defrauded millions of people out of hundreds of millions of dollars. And now his wife, Tammy Faye, was left behind to pick up the pieces. Oh, God. So it had been years since Jim and Tammy Faye had had a happy relationship, but this was the nail in the coffin. And finally... In 1992, Tammy Faye did the unthinkable and filed for divorce. Good. And this would have been a really big thing for her because, you know, obviously they've had these really strong beliefs and, you know, she's built her whole life around their marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Good for her. Well, yeah. That was probably a really big step for her. It is. And whilst Jim was serving his sentence, she started to rebuild her life, both personally and professionally. So in October 1993, she remarried. Okay. After falling in love with the contractor Jim had hired to build Heritage USA. His name was Roe Messner. Roe had been going through divorce proceedings when the two fell in love. However, their new lives together weren't smooth sailing. Roe had to file for bankruptcy after the shit show that had become PTL and Heritage USA. But he missed out some crucial things in his report when he filed. And three years afterwards, he got convicted of fraud. Oh. She's not having a lot of luck, is she? No. No. He had to serve 27 months in prison whilst also battling prostate cancer. Oh, no. Tammy Faye also battled colon cancer, which had gone into remission when she was able to reunite with her husband after his release. She just, like, she can't catch a break. No. But it didn't stop her. She'd become an icon in the LGBTQ plus world and she was appearing on a bunch of reality shows and a documentary chronicling her life, which was made by World of Wonder, who's the same people that make Drag Race. Cool. And it was also narrated by RuPaul. Oh, cool. Yeah. But her life wasn't like it was before. She still lived large and she wore copious amounts of mascara right up until the day she died. No! Yeah, on the 20th of July, 2002. Oh, I'm. Oh, she, she was 65 years old. Oh, okay. Oh, that's quite, that's still quite young, isn't it? She she lived as large as she could, and I also quite like the fact that she never lost that mascara. She was always she was shiny that until was the day mad. she died. That mascara is mad. Yes. <laughs> oh, bless her. Yeah, and I mean, I want to say that that was the end of the Praise the Lord Network, but it's not. 
Oh God, what? Why? How? Who's ha- who's got it now? Well, let's not forget about Jim. He only served five years of his forty-five year sentence. Why? Because it's America, and they just love letting people out early. They We've had this conversation who, so many who times. Who blackmail? <laughs> they also love money. Yeah, I don't know, but you know they let him out early. At least they let him out of five years. Out I know. Forty-five. At least it was fraud and not murder, though. Yeah, that's true. So he, yeah, he got out after five years and got straight back to his old tricks. He was released in December 1994 and set about rebuilding his empire. So he married his new wife, Laurie Beth Graham, just 50 days after they first met and adopting five children a couple of years later. The PTL Network, which was now rebranded as the PTL Television Network, is still alive and kicking and... Jim Baker hosts a daily show called The Jim Baker Show with his wife, Laurie, at the Studio City Cafe in Missouri. And, get this, the voice of the show is Tammy Sue Baker, who's Jim and Tammy Faye's first child. Oh, okay. So it's still a family affair. It's basically still like a Mm -hmm. magazine-type show. Mm -hmm. Very similar to what sort of Jim and Tammy Faye did before. Did very successfully before. Okay. It's broadcast on cable TV across America. This sounds like an endorsement. It's not because you have to have your wallet ready if you do tune in because he's still asking for money. Oh, God, he's at it. Yeah. Okay. He's, always, he's got like a QVC type thing going on where he's got custom merch. Right. Yeah, and most notably at the moment, he's selling buckets of freeze-dried food to his audience. And when I say bucket, I mean like an actual, like it's a what? fucking massive bucket. Okay. Like kilos of this freeze-dried like it'll be pancake mix or oh like, that kind of stuff. I like, was yeah, yeah okay because um he wants to help his audience prepare for the end of days, which he is preaching is coming soon. Oh great, assured by Jim Baker, and I mean you know like when has he ever been wrong? We yeah. can we can trust him. Mm-hmm. We cannot trust him because here's a fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. In 2021, just last year, Jim was ordered by Missouri courts to pay 156 thousand dollars in restitutions to people who had contributed to or paid money towards a product that he was selling called Silver Solution, which would diagnose, prevent, mitigate, treat or cure any disease or illness. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the main ingredients is colloidal silver, which is really highly toxic if it's ingested in sort of... um, doesn't even have to be particularly quite like high quality high quantities it will it will dye your skin blue people die from <gasps> drinking colloidal silver when did you think that that would be a good idea let's not forget 2020 because uh, the lawsuit was filed after the product was claimed to cure COVID-19 <laughs> with the seller the seller on the show told Jim that silver solution totally eliminates it kills it deactivates it also kills you too yeah. <laughs> in the process like. so this guy like it's, nothing's fucking changed he's still out there oh trying my to God. swindle people basically and he people sh- are believing it people buy his buckets people buy his silver solution I feel they can't like anymore you can't buy the silver solution anymore they should have said like you can, you can get out of prison but you can't do TV anymore you're banned so he's still doing it nothing's changed he's just gonna swindle people for the rest of his life oh no um, and he's still going I did look on Sky to see if ptl network was on there like on the channel list it's not but you can watch clips on youtube and it's free okay and he doesn't get any money from it so maybe do that instead if you are curious 
I'm going to do a little bit of digging after this anyway. Just I just want to have a look. I'm going to. I'm actually just going to go back to that theme park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, you can actually there's um uh, there is a documentary about the theme park as it is now. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'm gonna go on YouTube and look at like abandoned yeah like, tours. And there's a guy. There was a guy on there, and he'd bought like I think it was like 250 acres of the 2000s or something, and they go around in like a little golf cart. Cool. Yeah. So you can you can go and you can see it, the abandoned wasteland. I'm going to America heritage. next week, so maybe I'll go visit. Take a trip, Helen. Yeah. Okay. You're not going anywhere near Missouri, are you? Yeah. I'll take a plane there, especially. Yeah. But that was the life and crimes of Jim Baker, Tammy Faye, and the Praise the Lord Network. Scandalous. Scandalous. Next time on Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're looking at a hair-obsessed murderer that got away with his crimes for years. It's Danilo Restivo. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please do check out the description for lots of helpful resources. Special thanks to our wonderful producers at Audio Boom Studios. Thank you, bye-bye. Goodbye.